Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to another episode of Talking Trading. I'm financial journalist Caroline Stephen. Stephen Warden is a graduate of the 2010 Trading Game Mentor Program. In today's show, we hear Stephen's journey from apprentice of the markets to a battle-hardened trader. We find out why he's passionate about finding that archetypal trade, the time his money script came out and seriously threatened to hurt him, the period when his account went ballistic and he experienced for the first time being a true pig in the markets, and why he treats trading like a casino with his trading plan as the house edge. Stephen is a genuinely passionate and disciplined trader who has walked the long and at times arduous journey from a neophyte of the markets to a consistently profitable trader. We have had several requests to have him on the show, and I hope you sit back and enjoy Stephen's trading journey. Stephen Warden, hello and welcome to Talking Trading. Hi, Carolyn. It's great to be here. Stephen, it's great to have you on the show, and I need to give a bit of background about you. I have had several emails from various mentorees, each requesting separately to have you on the show to hear about your trading journey. That's uh, very kind, actually. Well, you had the reputation of being a very good trader. So let's find out about your journey. Stephen, when did you do the mentor program? And tell us, why did it appeal to you? Yes, Carolyn. Well, 2010, uh, I was uh, a graduate of the program and I'd been trading on and off successfully and unsuccessfully for a number of years during the bull market of 2003 to 2007. Uh, I'd made some money, but not a great amount. Um, decided that the market had gone up 100% and uh, markets don't do that. So exit pulled my money out and uh, then we had the GFC. So I thought I really need to build some skills and uh, work with people that are professional. I was a follower of Louise's newsletters, so it was kind of a natural progression. And I'd, I'd read uh, Louise and Chris's books and uh, probably stalked Chris from, a, from the sidelines for many years going to some of his presentations. So <laughs> it wasn't too hard a job to decide. All right, let's talk about late 2009. I was down for priority notification, and I must admit I probably ummed and ahmed and probably from the the perspective of the cost of the program. And I'd said to my wife a couple of days before, look, I don't think I'm going to go ahead. I was in a very boring business meeting and uh, priority notification opened up at 12 and I was sitting there watching the clock tick away and 5 to 12, I I thought, 
this could be a life-changing moment for me and I don't want to certainly go to my grave wondering what it would have been like. So I got out of the chair, left the, the meeting pretty promptly and went into my office and in, uh, enrolled in the program. Life-defining moment. It certainly was. Back to a, a movie that I really admire was Wall Street and uh, Bud Fox, the young uh, stockbroker, was going to meet Gordon Gecko, and he said, uh, life comes down to a few important moments. This is one of them. And I probably think, for me, it really was. It was a chance to move my trading to a level that I wanted to move it to. And when you finished the program, how did you go? <laughs> well, you're like... The $64 million question. Yes, yes. Well, to use a little analogy, my son is a carpenter and uh, he did a, a pre-apprenticeship course for six months and three and a half years of apprenticeship training and a couple of years working on the tools and I think probably when I finished the program I thought I'm a trader and the harsh reality was I just finished a pre-apprenticeship course. The real work starts on the tools when you're actually trading. It's been a long and arduous uh, journey, something that I've really enjoyed but it is, it is a, long, a long journey you go through. It's, there's no shortcuts. And what's this about a Model T Ford? Uh, Chris, on the, on the final day, um, showed us a video when we'd graduated and said, well, you're all Model T Fords. I suppose that's a little bit of a, a shock. You think, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm a trader now. Um, but he showed us where we had come from, which was basically a, a run-down horse and cart. Um, that's just the, the, the journey that we go through, and that's, I think that's for everybody. So you think your, your skill levels are a lot higher than what it is, and you overestimate that ability. We had a guest on the show, Dale Gillam, who said, trading's a verb, you do it. What's the reality check when you're doing trading? Why is it so hard initially? Well, I think it looks easy. And it takes one thing that I've really cemented in the last couple of years is a lot of the work that Mark Douglas has uh, done through his books and uh, audio and video. And uh, it looks easy and it takes no skill whatsoever to to put on a winning trade. Uh, You can identify all the characteristics that you like, you can put it on, but to be consistently successful is a whole different uh, mindset and a whole different level of skills that you need to uh, embrace. And I think that's, you know, to me that's been the, the thing is that I look back and I've had many successful trades when I was before the mentor program, but that consistency just didn't exist. How important has a support group been for you during this process? Exceptionally important. When I'd finished the program, I had a couple of trading buddies that uh, had done the program with myself and we would catch up monthly. Uh, we would Because basically... I'll, just, I'll just jump in there. You are trading buddies to Justin Gillick, aren't you? Yes, I am. And that's, that's also been a, a monumental impro- uh, improvement in my trading. So if you've got someone that you relate to on a one-to-one basis and during those hard times when you're feeling a little bit battered by the market, so that person's there to pick you up and vice versa. And you, con- to, you tend to be working on the same, the same things at the same time or slightly different things at different times. And I think that just complements and just moves you to another level. The sum of what you can achieve together uh, certainly uh, exceeds what you'd in, you know, achieve on an individual basis. All right. What about some of the other friendships you've formed with other mentorees? Yes, well, I was just uh, going back to what I was saying before, like the, the pre- people in the program, uh, that a couple of people we used to meet up in Hopper's Crossing once a month. Um, Hopper's that, Crossing? Hopper's <laughs> Crossing, yes. It's, it was just centrally located. And, uh, <laughs> 
Yes, the coffee was okay, but the, the friendships were far more important. Uh, and look, they were, they were very productive meetings in the early days, and it really wasn't that we were, I've taken Trade ABC, have you taken that? It was really just sharing how your system was unfolding. The markets back then for the Aussie market were a little better, um, but the meetings probably fell apart a little bit, and I think probably part of that is that uh, the markets had turned and our macros were off, there wasn't much to talk about, and... and probably we all get we all select what we want to go ahead with so i really wanted to pursue it at another level and uh i was fortunate that uh, i bumped into justin and um and continued on with the alumni so they're two very important parts now what about this take the next trade you can't fail <laughs> well i must admit i have to say that i i stole that from nick radge who's a successful australian share trader one of the things i suppose we all come across is we after a string of losing trades we feel that our system doesn't work and we start to gravitate to uh, other other markets or distractions, I suppose. So it's really important um, from my perspective that uh, when you undertake your quality analysis and the trade ticks the boxes, you must take it. And by taking those next trades, essentially you can't fail because you're going to come across that spectacular performer that's going to, to be a game changer for you. And you've actually got this expression touched to the top of your computer screen. It's sitting there and I'm reading it, uh, yes. <laughs> and, cons- and also consistency is a state of mind. Ooh. Yeah. Let's go back to you completed the program in 2010. It's now early 2013. What's the trading journey looking like for you now at this stage? Yeah, that's a good question, Caroline. I, I reflect back on that time and I would say that my knowledge had improved significantly and my um, my research, etc. but probably a little bit of frustration. And I, the frustration was exacerbated by missing the move in the Nikkei and I reflected back as to why I had missed the, the Nikkei move. Um, and, and just rather than cut myself up with that being a mistake, looked at, okay, how am I not going to miss the next Nikkei move? And I looked back and when I analysed that trade, I looked at the, the, the uh, yen pairs as well and at the same time the yen pairs had been moving. So I could kind of see all the concepts that had been taught about being a pig through the mentor program unfolding. So that was probably a changing moment of missing that trade and uh, what am I going to do so I don't miss that again? That is the million-dollar question, isn't it? I just want to go back to that. So there was the Nikkei breakout of late 2012 and you connected it to the FX pairs. So you actually, it was a knock-on effect through the different instruments. Correct, yes. You tend to find sometimes when you get a strong move in something, there's a correlation to some other instrument that's also moving and... uh, just for some reason, it just didn't hold resonance with me and didn't see it. And um, so I just needed to put in place some procedures that I don't miss those types of things again. Okay, so were you angry with yourself about missing the Nikkei? Uh, I think going back to using a Mark Douglas, it was a mistake to miss that. Uh, and what am I going to learn from that mistake? So angry probably wasn't the... Uh, the right word and I didn't want to use that but from the negative connotations just like what am I going to do again so that just does not happen I think I also went back to the drawing board a little bit and uh, Justin Gillick and I you know we we'd spent a lot of time going back and and reviewing that that Nikkei I printed it out and stuck it next to my computer as my archetypal <laughs> in big big bold letters and uh, you know put up there that you know my mission is to commit to every trade that conforms to my definition of an edge within my trading universe and if I get that right everything else is going to take care of itself I spent a lot of time going back and rereading 
the Wizard books, Stan Weinstein, and things just jumped out to me, whether or not it was just the stage of my trading journey that I was at, but I was reading those some of those Wizard books, and they were just jumping out and smacking me between the between the ears to say, you idiot, this has all been here, but you just haven't seen it. <laughs> what were some of the things that were really standing out for you? One sticks in my mind was uh, in Market Wizards, David Ryan, and his interview was called Treasure Hunt, and he made a comment that I studied historical models of great winning stocks to ingrain in my mind what they looked like before a major move. And you could take you know, one of the win- great winning stocks from the 1960s, line it up with the 80s, and they have exactly the same winning characteristics. And here I am in 2013, looking back at 2012 and that Nick guy, and it's just like, yes, they do exist. And, and your archetypal is your archetypal, and that's what you're, you're, you're really looking for. So same with Weinstein. I mean, he uses a breakout system, horizontal lines, volume to push through and confirm a move. So the answers are, uh, for trend followers, the answers are all there. You've just got to listen. Okay, so I've got a list of six titles that are in your trading library, and I'm just going to read them out for oh. listeners. Mark Douglas, Trading in the Zone. Number two, Market Wizards. Number three, New Market Wizards. Number four, Stan Weinstein, Secrets from Profiting in Bull and Bear Markets. Number five, Davos, How I Made $2 Million in the Stock Market. And number six, Reminiscences of a Stock Operator by Jesse Livermore. Good titles. Thanks, Caroline. Look, they, they existed in my, my library. And I think one of the things that I've discovered over the last few years is we are really hamstrung by distractions. And I've got probably 60 or 70 books sitting in my in my bookshelf. So if I, I applied what was called the fire test. If I had to run out of my house and there was a fire, <laughs> what, five, what five or six books would I grab? <laughs> And they would, Louise and Chris's books would certainly be there as well, but the mentor program covers those at another level. So they'd be the books that I would grab. And maybe I would encourage people, if they're they're struggling, grab a a handful of those books and just continually reread them and just watch those words jump out at you. And they might be slightly different books, but the content's going to be pretty much the same. Now, what about reading one chapter from the Wizards interview every night? Yes, that's something else that maybe I could offer for other people that are struggling. Maybe grab the market wizards and, and pick one chapter. Maybe it's from Sakota, maybe it's from Ryan, maybe it's from Linda Rajke. And uh, just reread that chapter every night. They don't, they're not long chapters. And just, just read them, just take your time and just absorb it and just relate it to how, how you're trading at the moment. Because, as I said, the secrets are there. They're just, you've just got to get them out and, and get them ingrained into your psychology. All right. So the secrets are there. What about talking about processes to avoid missing that next Nikkei archetypal trade? Yeah, good, good, good question. Uh, I engaged a, a process called quality analysis. So I have a spreadsheet and that lists the FX pairs and I have them down as the major FX pairs and what I call FX extensions and the commodities that I trade and the indices I trade. So I go through every chart slowly every day and I tick them off. And if it's the trades there, I then action it and go down a, a paperwork process of initiating the trade. If it's not, I put a cross and move on. And something else which I've probably learned at the end of that that session every day, which probably takes around about 15 minutes, is just to grab a yellow sticker and just to do a bit of an overview to say, well, you know, what what currently is moving and and throwing out signals and and what's not. So we had a discussion last week and you were discussing how you write everything down in a checklist form like a pilot. 
Yes, I picked I picked that up from uh, one of the wizards, I think it was, that basically said that, that if you have a checklist, it's quite methodical and boring, but it's it's going to it's going to work. And for me, it does work. Chris and you know has mentioned many times trading's a, a boring endeavour, and when you start to do something like that day in day out, and you know I'm going to open Aussie Euro first, Aussie Pound, Aussie Jap, you can kind of almost boringly do it in your sleep. It's been a very integral part of not missing those moves. How much time per day do you spend trading? Uh, the actual component of trading, just before our conversation, I'd, I'd run the daily system. I spent probably 20 minutes on that. There was really nothing to do today. Um, so probably about 20 to 30 minutes for the daily. The weekly, I put probably an hour and a half on the weekend. And once again, I have a, a process and a checklist that I go through. So um, I'm looking at you know, was my macro on, yes or no? Uh, what's market volatility? Roll through the top ASX 100 just to have a look uh, at the charts there. So fairly lengthier process for the weekly, but it's only once a week. All right, so you've got your trading system. It fires a signal and you wait for the market to tell you what's moving. What's yes. the catch? Is there a catch anywhere in there? <laughs> Take the trade. Can't <laughs> fail. That's the catch. We, we are the catch. We, I think the problem, Caroline, through experience of, of uh, mistakes is that we just get distracted uh, and um, somebody might say, look, you know, I've had a couple of really profitable trades in the Brazilian share market. And you go, oh, I might go off and have a look at that. Now, that's not part of my trading universe. So I just have to go, that's fantastic. Uh, I've got my system, my, my rules for engagement and not be distracted. So I think distractions is one thing that um, really can stop you from actually taking that trade. How do you push through the pain? Well, that's a very good question. Take the next trade. Also, re also reduce risk. That's something that I've probably done um, over time. You know, in your earlier days of trading, you're really risking way too much. And just, you know, if you think you can handle a $1,000 loss, halve it. And then if you, you know, if you think you can handle a $500 loss, halve it again. That it's, that, that the money is so inconsequential that it doesn't matter. It's, it, and it becomes a little bit boring. It's a little bit like going to a casino and playing roulette and you're a multimillionaire and you're betting $5 a hand. And assume all trades are losers. Correct. And that's a hard thing because we do our analysis and we go, yes, this trade ticks all the boxes. Um, I think, you know, I want to put the trade on. It's hard to divorce yourself from uh, not having an expectation of the outcome of the trade. Uh, treat trading as a casino. I was asked the other day uh, from a, a very close friend, uh, this sounds like gambling to me. And I actually said, yes, it is. And <laughs> their, their eyebrows their eyebrows raised and uh, thought I was a little bit con bit bit uh, delusional and I said yes but I treat it as a casino so and I wear a white tux when I'm sitting at the table <laughs> <laughs> yes I wasn't doing that at the time but I think that's been very important to me is that most people treat trading as from the gambler's perspective I'm treating it from the casino so I have an edge um, and that edge is the system that I was taught through the program so the key is to trade that edge integral to my development is just to to treat it it's just a number game that over the, the course of a large sample size my edge will be profitable and that will guarantee my success that's why I must take that next trade really interesting differentiation between gambling and being casino well it is and, and one thing that I probably justified in my earlier days of trading was that 
trading is not like gambling that unlike a horse race when it's running down the straight and your horse isn't winning you can um, you can pull your money out of the market but I I've modified that belief to yes it is um, but I'm treating it as a casino and I, I want to be the casino and the edge is in my favor and I'm not a mug punter yeah and you want to be James Bond as well <laughs> that's optional let's talk about your first real experience of being a pig in the markets that was in early 2014 and the the meats were moving so livestock lean hogs and live cattle and they had you know the trades had ticked my boxes that i would take the trade so i took them um, i was pyramiding and you could really see how your account was going ballistic uh, within a reasonably short period of time. So I suppose that was a defining moment where you actually get to to put in practice how that Nikkei and those yen pairs unfolded again and when you were taking those trades. Was it exciting? Yes, it probably was. Yes, it was. And I probably – one of the things was that it, it propelled my trading to another level but it also had some serious consequences because of the money scripts involved. And when you see your account move quickly and uh, the, the dollars just get bigger and bigger every day you, you log in, you end up in a euphoric state. And um, that had some serious implications for the close people around me and you start to believe you're invincible. So I nearly lost my marriage, but that's okay. Um, but it was, look, it was, a, it was a wonderful experience I had to in, endure because we're, we're told about the implications of money scripts and I got stuck in this euphoric state of invincibility and my trading is a lot better now. I'm far more grounded and realise that the trading system that we have been taught and I have developed produces very large returns when you get it right. So you need to have your, your head in the right space and if not, um, someone's going to come and kick it in. Just very briefly, not ha- no, no, how long did it take for you to come down from the euphoric state and you said that you married, you know, you worked it through and how long did that take? Probably a good two or three months, Caroline, yes, because you start to unravel some of those dreams that you have and you, you start to think, I've always wanted to um, sit on a plane up the front end and uh, that's been one of, the, one of the goals that I've set myself. So when you see a trade like that unfold, you start to then put things into dollar terms and you start to say, that's achievable. What else do I want to do? So that's not really how trading should work. Trading's really a little bit... I remember you interviewed Chris on uh, Talking Trading some time ago and said, what do you do after your... You've had a really spectacular... And his comment was, next trade. Mm. So that's so important um, if you want to be a consistently successful trader, which I do. Stephen, can you share a little bit about your trading results? This year's been uh, good. I haven't had those spectacular long-term trends unfold like we've seen in, in uh, say, the, the oil or the euro. The, the important thing for me is really I've just done my analysis a couple of weeks ago of uh, quarter three. That's been another important development in my trading is to, at the end of each quarter, I do a quarterly analysis. So when I, when I take a trade, I print a chart out and make notes. At the end of each quarter, I go back and review everything. So I'm more interested not necessarily in profitability. I'm more interested in consistently applying my rules and pyramiding where I where I my plan tells me to pyramid. So profitability is a bit of a two-edged sword in my world. Um, I could be profitable as I was in, the, in quarter three. I could be unprofitable in next quarter, unprofitable in the next quarter, and spectacularly successful in the in the, the following quarter. So I'm more interested in that consistency consistency of my trading plan. 
Okay, I'd like to start wrapping up now. So I'd like to go back sure. to Mark Douglas, who is obviously made has made a very big impact on your trading. Yes. Tell us a little bit more about how he's affected your trading psyche. I think he's really just developed those, helped me develop those mental skills that you need to trade well. Going back, I think I mentioned earlier, it takes no skill whatsoever to put on a winning trade, but it takes an enormous amount of skill to trade consistently. So the emphasis on, cons- on trading consistently well has been my real focus. And I've mentioned about thinking like a casino and probabilities and an edge and trading that to its full potential. Stephen Warden, we have to wrap up this interview by saying trade well, live well. Thanks, Caroline, and I will continue to do that. Stephen Warden, thank you very much for your trading journey. Thanks, Caroline. And that's all we have for you today, guys. Stay tuned next week for Neuro Wisdom with Mark Waldman. I'm Caroline Stephen, and on behalf of the team, thanks for your company. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to TalkingTrading.com.au with Caroline Stephen. Make sure you are subscribed to this website to receive the very latest market views, commentary and expert opinion. Tune in next week as we've got a bumper show planned. Bye for now. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regard to your own situation.